good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time for Focus. Today's guest is Pastor Keith McGee. He is the pastor of the Church Without Walls. But you have other qualifications that are going to lead us into this entire other topic today. Pleasure to be with you on today. I've spent over two and a half decades, almost three, working in government. It's the local level. Mm-hmm. It was the county and city, Shelby County and the city of Memphis. However, as a citizen, I had the privilege for over the last four decades to spend time with citizens at every level, mm-hmm. from persons who were in hotel management to individuals who've been top professionals in their field and other areas. And one of the things that's been very interesting to me is the discourse as it relates to how government works and sometimes more specifically how federal government works. So that's more what we're going to talk about today. Sure. Today I want to spend some time just talking about maybe what I've learned and also uh, share some perspectives, but in particular to access our government. Uh, There are people that are willing and excited about serving you and to ensure that your listeners want to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you said government should not be a stranger. Government government should not be a stranger. We should think about it more than when there is a presidential election. Right. We should know that every week, every work week, every day, someone's getting up serving us. There are approximately two million persons who uh, serve in federal government. I think a lot of times when people think about government, they think, ugh, I hate it. I hate the people in government. It's them against us. Absolutely. And the people you see on television represent a small fraction. If you look at uh, your branches of government and you look at the leaders of those branches, it's probably less than 1,000 people. There are several hundred million individuals who live in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And we elect or they're appointed individuals who serve us each day, lead organizations to do special things for us. And when we look more closely, we find that there are opportunities that we can access resources. We just have to know, one, where they are, and two, be willing to have some conversations about them. Like what? Well, I think that if you talk about uh, Social Security is a good one. Okay. Um, If you talk about Social Security, there are persons who uh, work for the federal government who are happy to work with you. Sometimes it does take time to get to them, but there are resources that are in place, and when you need that to happen, you just have to find the closest agency to where where you live. When you think of government, uh, three branches, uh, executive, legislative, and, of course, the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, there are nine justices. One of them is the chief justice. The others are associate justices. The justices are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. When you look at the legislative branch, there are congressional persons, either the House or the Senate, that represent each state of the United States. The way the House is broken down, it depends on your population. So, of course, it looks like the state of California probably has the most congresspersons, and then your smaller states would have less. However, the way the framers put the information together and the law together, mm-hmm. each Senate, each state has the same number of senators. So whether you are Maine, California, Texas, or even Tennessee, you have two United States senators. The congressional delegation, they serve two-year terms. The United States senators serve four-year terms. And then there is the executive branch, the president of the United States of America. Every four years, the citizens of this great country have the opportunity to select the leader. He or she 
uh, is selected by what is called the Electoral College. Mm -hmm. The Electoral College determines who the president of the United States will be. Sometimes there are discussions about the Electoral oh boy. College. Oh, boy. Yes, and, discussions. That's and, a nice way to put it. <laughs> and, and whether it, it's, it's good or not. I want to pause for a moment and say one of the things that I encourage citizens to do is to listen to both sides. Before you make your decision, kind of take it easy, uh, take a deep breath. And as it relates to the political process in general, take a deep breath and hear both sides and then decide where you'd like to stand. But the Electoral College, those who are against it sometimes say it's not uh, reflective of the popular vote or the numbers of vote counted. And sometimes the person who becomes the president of the United States may not have won the popular vote. However, in looking at the Electoral College, another perspective to consider is that if it were just the popular vote that determined who the president of the United States would be, mm -hmm. the states with the largest populations would basically dictate who the president was going to be. Wow. A person actually would not necessarily have to campaign in many other states because of the population difference in some of the larger states. Mm -hmm. Actually, you might have enough persons uh, living in 15 to 20 states that you would not need the votes of the persons who were in the other 30 states. Holy cow. And, and they would not be represented. or they not. Would, Yes, they would not be represented. And, and what makes our country great is uh, the unique diversity of professions and uh, the regions that have different skill sets and people who are in dem different demographics. Uh, that's a positive. And mm -hmm. so as you're considering whether you think we should do the popular vote or electoral, that's just something I think would be worth considering. So those are the different branches of government and kind of how, how they work. How does that trickle down to us? If you think about it this way, the the president uh, has the opportunity to do a variety of appointing. The president appoints, and they are confirmed. The justices, the president appoints cabinet members, and they are confirmed, and appoints commissions. And one other item I'd like to say is the president also uh, has the opportunity to share in pardons and clemencies as it relates to the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. But how it comes down to us, in each of the cabinets, uh, there are cabinet members who are appointed. After the cabinet members are appointed, then you have the areas that they represent. Let me give you an example. Okay, before you do that, hold that thought. I want to remind people, if you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie. This is Focus, and we're talking today with Pastor Keith McGee. He's the pastor at the Church Without Walls, but he spent uh, how, how many years working almost, in— Almost 30 years working in government, almost three decades. So he's kind of explaining the system to us in, in a, a very easy-to-understand way, and I appreciate that. Sure, and so when you get to the cabinet positions, and we'll take the Department of— Health and Human Services. Okay. Um, there are things that are important as it relates to those areas that you are entitled because you're a citizen to ask questions about. Mm -hmm. You're able to call to access to get resources. And it shouldn't and government should not only be accessed when there is something you are against or something you're upset about, just to keep people informed of what happens, how it works, what persons are doing each day to make my life a little better. And I think sometimes because it seems so far away it does. that the federal government seems like, oh, wow, you need to know someone to access it. Mm -hmm. You are that someone. The persons who work in federal government, they work for you. My almost 30 years I worked, I worked for the citizens. I was asked recently in an, in an interview, 
what were two of the things that I felt like were the greatest accomplishments I had as an executive. And thing, two things that I did well. My answer was, number one, to have the ability every day, or things that I'm proud of, to get up every day working for some senior citizen who may never have the opportunity to come to the place where I work, mm-hmm. not only to give them my best, but to make sure that we were giving the best possible service we could. And the other one had to do with just mentoring other persons to be the best professionals they could. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, it's public service. You take the opportunity, and let me also say privilege, to get up every day knowing, in particular if you are a federal government, employee that there are millions of people counting on you. And so if there is something I have a question about, I can ask. The other thing I can do as a citizen is those persons who represent me in congressional positions again, and even in my U.S. senator or senators, should I say, since they're two per state, they have tremendous staff that that are competent professionals who are available to help if I have questions, if I have information. Uh, now we do a good job, the offices do, of putting information online. Mm-hmm. I was doing research this weekend for our interview and just looking at all the information that is out there for the citizens of our country to be able to hear what's happening, to know what's taking place, and to spend some energy and, and time in doing so. Okay. So how, how do we access them? Two simple suggestions. One is telephone. They, mm-hmm. If you go online, there are numbers available mm-hmm. that you can call and say, I'd like my representative to know X. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's normally an email address that you can look into and, and other social media platforms that many of the offices have available. And they're leaders in organizations where you may be partisan. You may not be a person who likes social media, but perhaps in your church, perhaps in your social organization, your community organization, there's someone who who knows how to access the system mm-hmm. of information that you can say, hey, I'd like to know a little bit more about this. The information is there. As citizens, we just have to ask for it. It seems like a lot of us don't even know what's available or we don't even know where to start when it comes to having a dialogue with anyone in government. We don't know what is available, what we're supposed to know that we don't know, what we're supposed to let them know that they don't know. I think that's an excellent point. And I think that perhaps the basics, and I went online just to see so I could talk about it, is you can basically Google and just start the information gathering process of what is federal government. Now, it's time consuming. So the average citizen does not have the kind of time perhaps I put in the weekend mm-hmm. last week or so doing so. However, if you think of a subject that is significant to you, whether it's energy, whether it's housing, I mentioned health and human services, the criminal justice system. There is a federal government arm that is set up to be equipped and to provide information in those areas to give. You just have to know where to go, and, and the where is simply the Internet or a local office Mm -hmm. to be able to ask questions. We just had the tornadoes and storms move through. That would be something that possibly people would be looking for help and information about. Absolutely. And definitely as a pastor, I want to pause and say we continue to pray and be supportive of those families and communities that have lost lives, lost property. And not only are we investing as a church, but we continue to lift them up. Mm-hmm. And so so thank you. One of the roles that the federal government plays, and you'll always see a sitting president visit 
a community where there has been a tragedy to let you know that the federal government is behind you. That's a resource that's available. But not only in times such as a tornado, in other times the federal government has resources. In the city of Memphis, my, my hometown, uh, I watch housing and community development work with HUD and work with our local government and work with private partners to do some amazing building and to be able to lift some communities. Huh. I also saw during the tenure where we work, the housing project program and process be changed to lift it up so that the citizens who have that need are able to have a higher quality of living as a result of the help of the federal government and oh, the wow. local government. Wow. We, and just kind of start we, our own we search. We Google and, and, and research, and, and you don't have to, and, and I'll, I wanted to say this at the beginning, I am not a historian, nor do I profess to be brilliant in doing the research, which allows me to be able to say to the average citizen, all you've got to do is go online and start looking, and you'll find things that you don't know. Yes, I did learn a lot because I worked in government almost 30 years as part of public service. But many of the things I'm sharing, they're out there for any individual if you just look for them. Also, I think it's helpful when you say when we say representative, when someone goes to Washington, D.C. on our behalf, it is to represent us. It's helpful that we try to learn more because the more that we learn and the more information we have, the more we can adequately say to our representative, this is how I believe about a certain issue. Mm -hmm. And there are issues all the time that are a part of laws, but there also are administrative things that they would be happy to know from us so they can do a better job of doing their service. Like what? You'll find frequently, I think recently, uh, Dr. Ben Carson was in the city, who is the HUD secretary. And part of his visit would be to meet with local representatives. I'm pretty certain he probably would have met with the governor and the mayor of Nashville to talk about how uh, the federal government can help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the role of the federal government, not necessarily to take the own the solo lead, but to partner with you and getting things done. Ultimately, the government exists that the lives of its citizenry ought to be better. Part of that process is us reaching out, making a statement about what it is that's important to us. So they can help make it better. So they can help make it better. I wanted to, I guess, circle back and talk about kind of what it takes to become a congressional person and what it takes to become the president of the United States. Because I think when your listeners hear, one of the thoughts will be, I can do that. And the response I would have, yes, you can. Nice. And when the framers set it up, it was set up that way. And so if you're wanting to run for the House of Representatives, you need to be 25 years of age, a citizen of the United States for at least seven years, and at the time of election, be a resident of the state. That's it. If you want to be a U.S. senator, you've got to live a little longer. You've got to be 30 years of age, <laughs> a citizen of the United States for nine years. At the time of election, be a resident of the state. And I can participate And someone would say, wow, that's it. Yes, that's it for a reason. So that individuals who would like to participate in how their country is governed and who'd like to make a difference, you can. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the one I'm certain uh, someone at least has paused and said, what does it take to be the president of the United States and could I do it? When I tell you the answer, there are going to be more people running. Uh, (laughs) Number one, 35 years of age. Number two, natural born citizen. And number three, live in the United States for at least 14 years. I think that's helpful to know because it says that, that the everyday person 
who has an interest in the political process on the side of being elected, they can, Mm -hmm. they can, they can. And I think that's helpful so that when you look at the the many candidates who uh, put themselves in a position to run for public office, you'll know that, that you can. Um, and you can make a difference. And, and many times I, I enjoy sometimes reading what inspired individuals to run for office. And many times it was something that happened at the local level that they felt like they wanted the federal level to know about. And when they got into the process of sharing and talking about it, they realized that maybe the best way I can represent the cause that's important for me is to run for office. Wow. And before they knew it, they were running. And uh, after a long uh, campaign, you look up and they're being sworn as a freshman congressional person or a freshman United States senator mm-hmm. uh, or the president of the United States. And part of that process, I think that's healthy. And I said this earlier, but is to have an open ear and being able to balance what I hear. I think it's helpful when you think about the people who serve you to open to hear both sides mm-hmm. or, or hear different perspectives so that you can uh, not only make an intelligent guess about what you're thinking, but say, no, I'm not going to guess anymore. I'm going to make an intelligent decision about what I know. Right. Minus the information, it's an intelligent guess. Well, I think this is great, but if I've got information, I can pause and kind of make some notes and say, you know, I've heard both sides, and I think this is in the best interest, not only of me, but my family. Mm-hmm. Make an intelligent decision. Yes, yes. If you can be that young and become president of the United States... Why do you think it tends to be that people are a lot older when they're elected? Many times um, there are persons who think they have to have more experience. Mm. They think that they have to have a certain background. They think that they have to have a certain allegiance from a certain group of people. And quite honestly, that's not the case. There are individuals across America who would perhaps make great candidates in the future to be running for public office at the highest level, even the presidency. Uh, I need to know how I feel about uh, certain issues. I need to understand that if I'm interested in running, that here is the responsibility. Uh, My second part of the answer would be is just um, the great responsibility because you are the commander in chief on one side And you are responsible also for the day-to-day operations of a two-million-person organization providing services to over 300 million citizens. Wow. And that's a big responsibility. And and every day, you are the president of the United States, no matter where you are. And even though you may relax, you're on the job every day. I think that some individuals may look at it and say, no, that's not something I want to do at this particular time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And yet... Um, you hear more younger people talking about, you know, I could do that. Um, But I would say to any person who's thinking about it, um, study the position, study what the responsibility is, Mm -hmm. and then think about what it is that you'd like to do. I would also suggest look around your local community and see are there some ways that you can start your service so that if you have aspirations at a higher level, you can get a sense of what the work looks like. And while I'm talking about local, let me just put a plug in for uh, persons who serve locally, period, at elected and appointed levels. There are a lot of professionals who get up every day, and it's not about compensation. It is about how can I make a difference in the lives of the people I serve, 
let me go in and let me work. Mm-hmm. And they do it year after year. They do it at the state level. They do it at the local level, whether it's county, city. They do it on school boards. They just like serving. And so let me thank them uh, for their service mm-hmm. and thank them for what they do each day, year after year. And then thank the employees who serve. Uh, there are individuals who all over, since we're in Tennessee, I'll talk about the great state of Tennessee at different levels, whether it's the very entry level or the highest level, who get up every day and and who we trust with our infrastructures, who we trust to uh, work in our educational system, who we trust in the healthcare systems, all of our persons who are first responders, mm-hmm. and just every individual who works. Um, there is a significant job being done as we speak by some person somewhere in government and government does not close the the, day, the daily offices may work 8 to 4.30 or 8 to 5 but there are persons somewhere in government who are up every day and who are doing great work and so thank you for your service. If you're just joining us, this is Focus. I'm Anna Marie, and our guest today is Pastor Keith McGee. He spent uh, nearly 30 years in government, and we're talking today about government. He says government should not be a stranger, and today we're spending some time on the federal government. We were speaking earlier about the Electoral College. Right. And I wanted to add a couple of more nuggets. Okay, let's do uh, it. The Electoral College they consists of 538 electors, and after the vote has been taken on Election Day, they then go and represent what it is that has been shared by the millions of citizens who have participated. In particular, there are 538. To become the president of the United States, it takes 270. So when there is discussion about whether or not we want to use the popular vote or electoral college, yes, it's true that if you look at the electoral college and you took California, Texas, Florida, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Ohio, Georgia, North Carolina, and Michigan, you would be almost there. Almost is not there. There are still, there would still be a need for some additional states to get you across, which then leads to the idea of why you see candidates campaigning all across the country. The Electoral College, it represents per population? Right. The way the Electoral College is broken down, you get electoral votes based on your number of congressional representatives. Okay. And so the congressional representatives plus the two senators gives you that number. Oh, okay. And uh, the congressional representatives are based on population. Congre- yes, yes, okay, gotcha. yes. And so ca- California is going to be number one, Texas number two, Florida number three, and New York number four. Okay. And so if you were able, let's say, to take the states I, I read off, the top 10 or 15 states, but what's that top 10 you would be almost there, but not there. Right. And so you still need to go out and campaign. If it were looked at from the popular vote, you may be able to take just the top states and you would win. Yeah. And so that's why you see presidential candidate, and you'll see them a couple of weeks ago, South Carolina was important. It wasn't necessarily the largest number, but it was important to build upon the number. Mm-hmm. When you looked at, I think recently, was it Nevada? was important. And that's what, a, a, a smaller a, no, population? A smaller population, but they have electoral votes. Mm-hmm. And when you begin adding them, you get to the end of the journey. Both persons, it takes 270 to win. Mm-hmm. Both persons may find themselves in the 240s or, oh. or somewhere. And so, you know, 10 here, 11 here, and before you know it, 
you're at that number. Okay. And so that is one of the, I guess, supporting reasons that those say uh, who are supportive of the electoral college vote. Mm -hmm. My thoughts are uh, research both. As you're thinking, look at the benefit of the electoral college before you decide that the popular vote is better. Um, I'm also of the uh, opinion that uh, you don't want to change a law or change something because of an individual. You want to change whatever it is that you're looking at after great research and looking at how it will impact the masses. Do you have an example of something that? I'm, I'll take the one we're looking at now. If I, if, if, when conversation takes place, and it does sometime about, you know, the popular vote would be better, I always like to pause and say, which one, as you're thinking about it, gives the, the broadest representation for the citizens of the United States of America. Okay. Uh, it, it is our belief as a country that every state is important. And we want the persons who are campaigning to have to go everywhere. We want them all over America. We want to look and see them because it is in their best interest and our best interest and the country's best interest when they hear from citizens everywhere when they hear from positions. It, it's as important to hear from the farmer as it is the laborer. Mm-hmm. It's as important to hear from persons who in rural America as it is uh, the, the areas of our country where larger populations live. The right. suburbs are important. It's important to hear from the different uh, demographics of persons in our country. And so when you have to travel more because you need all of the votes, uh, that's, uh, that's good for the United States. When we have an election and we have all these names of people that we've not ever even heard of, where would we start to find out more information? I think it's through our research. I think you can you can find it Googling. But if it's a candidate and the candidate desires to have my support, he or she has an obligation to get information where I can touch it and reach it and to have it documented at a level where it's understandable, but also have a willingness to come and explain their position. If you have a position on any item, you ought to be able to explain it thoroughly, Mm -hmm. and you ought to be able to connect with the listeners no matter where they are and no matter how they um, approach getting to you, whether it's online or through a radio uh, broadcast, a podcast, whatever it is, whatever your, your, your communication tool, you ought to use it well. It seems that a lot of decisions are possibly made based on TV ads, radio ads, because the candidates put out little snippets of information, and often they don't say a lot about themselves. Often they say more in a negative way about another candidate. We, as citizens of this country, have an obligation to do a little research, that we ought to pause and do some reading And if any person were running, chances are they're going to put their best self in their commercial. Mm -hmm. And although the best self might be 100 percent accurate, I can spend a minute or two looking at what you said and make sure it's verifiable and make sure what you said you were going to do is, number one, what you've already done. Mm -hmm. And two, you've laid out a pathway for how it how it happens. As I've thought about it in our earlier conversation, I think I was sharing with you that I had this idea about middle of the road being kind of a platform. And what it was was the idea of just talking about issues in the middle of the road, uh, issues not 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 approaching them necessarily from uh, liberal or conservative or moderate, not approaching them from a party, but sometimes just pausing, saying, here is the issue. Let's look at it. And let's see what works best. I'll give you an example. Let's just take education. There are a lot of different opinions about what's best in educating our children. 
I think it's helpful sometimes to listen to all of them mm-hmm. and then make a decision. Pause and say, cause say what you're thinking. Because ultimately, I think we all have the same goal. We want the children that we love and care for to receive the best possible education that they might be able to leave the classrooms and go become productive citizens in our country. Right. And so when you listen to different perspectives, may not change your mind at all, but at least I paused to hear you. And it may be just a nugget in something that you've said that allows me to go back to my community and do a better job of supporting those who educate our children. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any specific places that you would recommend that we kind of have a starting point? Google the words you're looking for and then let the words begin to carry you. Like if you're looking for information, U.S. senators, Google U.S. senators. If you're looking for information about the cabinet positions, you can Google president or Google cabinet positions and you will find some sites that not only will they give you the position name, sometimes they'll give you the incumbent, but if you tap it or click it, you're able to get what the office does. And then as you get what the office does, you can do additional research. Let me add to that, if there's an office that you're interested in, if you go on Google again, that office, it'll give you goals of the office, tell you where funding's located and where a variety of things take place. Sometimes there there is uh, federal funding, uh, there are grants, there's, there's information about monies that are available for whatever it is that's happening in your community. You just have to have the energy and take some time to go look for it Mm -hmm. and what it is that you're looking for might be there. But Googling the words, Googling the words, there there are sites that are set up by the federal government that once you get to the federal government, once you get to the president's office, Senate's office, the congressional office, there are places that there are icons that are there that you can click to direct you to the next location. So if they need tornado relief or if they want information about the presidential candidates, if they want specifics, just hit those words and then just kind of dig in. If it's the presidential candidates, if you have their name, you can pull it up by Mm -hmm. their name Mm -hmm. and they should have websites and you can get information about who the persons are, running for and and what the issues are. There are also going to be some credible sites that will perhaps uh, compare them uh, for you and and, and give you a sense of the difference between them. But I have always felt like if you are informed, you can definitely uh, make better decisions, but you can also access resources that are available to you. Okay. Any final thoughts, anything you'd like to add that I've neglected to ask about? The one thing I would add is that uh, I'm excited So thank you, first of all, for the opportunity to be sharing, but also that hopefully your listeners are pausing saying, you know what, that's my federal government. Uh, I want to get involved. I want to participate. And even if I don't want to run for office, I want to see how things work. And and not only are you helping yourself, there may be someone in your community, someone in your family, your friends, just someone you run across in passing who can use information, but who does not have the resource for it. You can be the person who steps in to change a life forever just by you accessing the information available, taking it to them, partnering with them to make sure that they know where to go and then watching their success. Thank you again for this privilege. Thank you. Pastor Keith McGee, he spent uh, nearly 30 years in government. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.